This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. The following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander, and my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77 and recording and broadcasting live from the Phil Gianetti Motors studio. I finally get to name the studio, the Phil Gianetti Motors studio. We'll talk about that later in the program. And for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I couldn't see. That's why we had to start again, because my glasses were dirty. I mean, that's really bad. <laughs> I didn't realize how blind I am before I have to read things. I mean, I take them off. I can't see anything. So I had to clean them there briefly. Uh, luckily, I had something to clean them with on my desk. But anyhow, enough of me rambling on as you're uh, listening and watching online with yours truly, Bill Alexander, here on Fayette TV Channel 77 and also on WMCK.FM. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about a book called The Essence of Perfection, The Historical Quest to Find the Genuine Dates of Christmas and the Resurrection by Robert William Weber. And here is the copy of the book right here, as you can see, beautiful stained glass on the cover right there. And we're going to be talking to him, and it's kind of appropriate that we have him on the program tonight since Easter is this coming Sunday. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, I'm doing great, Bill. And I'm glad to have you on the program tonight. I got the book, started reading it about a week ago, and it is a very interesting read because there's questions that you ask in the book that I would have never thought about before because no one ever thinks about the actual timeline and time in the life of Jesus Christ because we just assume the 25th is Christmas and then Easter is sometime in the spring. But your book actually talks about how it was actually figured out why we're celebrating it at the certain times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a historian by nature. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher, uh, but I'm a history teacher, social studies teacher, so I guess I've always been kind of more interested in um, kind of dates. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think I told you earlier that I, I really couldn't find any books that, that really explained this stuff to me. So it started out like a hobby, and uh, it just kind of grew into the, to the point where I thought, you know, this make a this make an interesting book. So that's kind of where I got the idea to do the book, and, and it took and, a long time. And this being your first book, you tackled a really heavy subject. That, uh, as you told me earlier, it took you about fourteen years to write this. Uh, that's true. Um, it, it, it really took me a long time to write it. Uh, it started out just kind of like curiosity, um, um, and, and it. And the more I got into it, um, it just kind of, you know, it, it it came to the point where I thought, well, this will make a great paper. Uh, then it got to the point where it's like, okay, maybe I need to do a website on this. And then it just got, I just got enough information, and it just was like, I got to write a book. I got to do this. And there really wasn't a book like this, so that's what really got me going into it. So what is your background that even got you interested in doing it? Like you said, you are a history teacher, but... What type of history do you teach? Uh, I teach social studies, so I, I, I've taught a little bit of everything, which if you read the book, um, there's a little bit of everything in here. So I kind of consider myself not really an expert in one area, uh, but my training kind of helped me in all different kinds of areas. I, I've taught uh, U.S. history, uh, AP U.S. history, um, all on the high school level. I taught um, sociology. 
I've taught geography, um, you know, world history. I'm certified to teach uh, political science. If anything in social studies, uh, I'm either certified to teach it or I've taught it at some point. I think that really helped me in the book because I don't really get focused on one thing and and kind of books like this, I think people, you know, they kind of they stick to all just one thing, like astronomy is a, is a big one. And I think what helped me was just just going and, you know, looking at the whole picture and not just one area um, and kind of keeping an open mind there. So are you still teaching now or are you just focusing on writing? No, I still teach. You know, I got I got to pay the bills, so that's, <laughs> that's what pays the bills. Uh, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to be a full-time writer yet, so... Uh, but, uh, you know, if I teach, uh, I teach on the high school level okay. in Illinois here. So um, with this with this book, how has it been received um, since you've published it? Uh, it's still, you know, it. I, I, I just published it recently, so I'm in the process of kind of uh, promoting it right now, and this is part of the process being on your show, okay. so I'm really... Uh, I'm really grateful that you <laughs> that you had me on here. Uh, so so right now I'm just just kind of getting it out there, and um, I've sold a few copies. Uh, it's it's hard because it seems like everyone has a book out right now. So right. I'm competing with a lot of different people on a lot of different topics, so it's really hard to get your message out. Uh, I do do some book signings, and um, I'm starting to find that people it, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, but there are people who are really interested in it. Um, something that I, you know, I just thought that, you know, since, since I'm an old white guy, I just thought, well, it's going to be old, you know, it's going to be old people that are interested in this. <laughs> and I'm starting to find out that uh, it's not just old men, it's women too. Women are really interested in this. And it, it's, um, it's been interesting, this kind of, kind of uh, meeting people and talking people and, and they're kind of, you know, they want to know more about, about, about these things because, we really don't know a lot about these topics and we really don't have any, what I, what I think is really good answers up until when I started doing this research. And I hope to maybe, you know, get some clarification on that and kind of help people uh, see these topics in a different way. What I find interesting, and you said this, that no one ever has really tackled this subject before and has gone in as in depth as you have with it because you you bring some interesting things to light now i'll be honest with you i didn't think of them until i started reading the book for example that we celebrate christmas at least one belief is is because um that is the birth the, the birth of, of the nativity or the birth of christ uh, the nativity scene but he was actually conceived during passover which is also the uh, same that- time as the 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 crucifixion and i'm thinking in the resurrection i'm going i never thought of that before that's actually a very interesting um idea to throw out there to an audience uh that that kind of goes back to augustine uh augustine saint augustine was like around the you know he kind of lived lived around 400 uh so so that's when you got to the 400 that that was his theory and and i'm and I found some proof, and that's what I talk about uh, a lot. The earlier church fathers, and there's some actual, you know, proof that that, that they were actually worshiping uh, Christmas, you know, at, at Passover time. Okay. Uh, and that, that's kind of I think I dedicate, uh, you know, I dedicate a couple chapters to that. So so there is some some evidence that uh, that was going, you know, it, 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 and then I talk about kind of the political um, history of, of how we got to that. Um, there was a lot that was going on in the second and third century between uh, Christians and Jews, and um, you had Roman emperors who were, uh, you know, persecuting everybody. So there was a lot of turmoil in that time period, and you know, for different reasons, um, I, I think the church, the Christian church, wanted to get away from uh, the Jewish religion as much as they can could, right. and, and that was that was part of it. Um, you know, worshiping uh, the nativity at Passover. I think they just kind of wanted to get 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 away from that. And to uh, Constantine, uh, Emperor Constantine in the 300s, uh, he wanted to um, compete with pagan uh, pagan festivals at wintertime. So it just kind of made sense for them to move it back. So really what you got there is you've got the Passover birth becoming the Passover conception. Uh, you know, March 25th, uh, the, the became the conception and then nine months later you know christmas was right. 25th 
And I and I know if you ask someone in the United States in 2019, they'll say the only reason Christmas is here is because it's five weeks from Thanksgiving. Because <laughs> they don't, I mean, and because the, we have turned it into a, such a commercial holiday right now that we don't focus on what the true meaning of Christmas is. So I'm sure a lot of people think it was just put there because Thanksgiving in the United States happened to be in the last Thursday in November, and then Christmas falls four to five weeks later. And it just happens right before, a week before New Year's, too. Uh, that's true. And and really, the pagan holiday was was a lot like Christmas. Uh, they, they would exchange gifts and, and play kinds of, play all kinds of games. That's why Constantine uh, had a hard time getting getting the Christians to give up that pagan ritual. Okay. Um, he declared, he declared that everyone become a Christian in the empire, but he was having a hard time getting him to kick that, that holiday. It was just so much fun. And they like celebrating it. That that's, you know, he had to figure out a way to compete with that. And that's where you get Christmas happening. Uh, the nativity happening in December. So what really got you interested in studying this? Uh, that's an interesting story. <laughs> uh, it, it started out about this time of year, uh, back in probably around 2003, 2004. Uh, I was watching a, uh, an episode on television, and they had a uh, professor on there. His name was Michael Molnar, and he came up with a theory that Jesus was born on April 17, 7 B.C. Okay. And while, I, while I'm watching that, and it just so happened this was one of those years where Easter was happening right about, you know, around that same time. And, and it got me thinking about that time. It's like, wow, that's that's almost same you know, that's all. You know, he's saying that Jesus was born April seventeenth, and that's almost the same time as Easter this this year. Which would so actually be really got me. And tomorrow is April seventeenth, so this program April, is kind yeah, of time, so, kind of timely here. Yeah, so exactly. So it was actually right right about the same time, yeah. and uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. I, I got to do some uh, research on that. So I kind of uh, kind of did some exploring on that topic and I found out that you know, I wasn't the only one who thought about this uh, it, it was it was a real popular idea around the second century okay uh, with some of the church fathers and that's really where I got going on that and so you know I, I just kind of went from there on it and I thought okay well if you're gonna do this um, you got to find out you know you got to find out when he died you start with his death first because that's that's the easiest you know that's the easiest part to figure out right um, so can 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 we do that? Can we figure out when Jesus died, or kind of you know kind of kind of get some baits there on that? And you know that that part was easy. Uh, NASA has uh, some moon phases uh, for like you know going all the way back uh, like five thousand years in the future, uh, in the past, and five thousand years in the future. So so we could figure out any full moon uh, for any month uh, in any year. Uh, you, you give me like five minutes and a and a, and a website, and I could tell you what it is. Okay. Uh, so you could you could figure out, you know, if you know a little bit about Passover, you, you have to, I had to kind of explore that too, because, you know, I really didn't know a lot about Passover, and you know, I think most Christians really don't know a whole lot about Passover. Um, so, so I had to learn about that, and, you know, kind of learn how the moon phases work, and kind of uh, when Passover could have happened. And if you... You know, if you can find that out, you just have to worry about the day, you know, the day of the weeks. So there just so happens that the U.S. Navy has what they call a naval date converter. Now, what that is, you can type in any date. And once again, it's like the moon facing. You can go all the way back into the B.C.s and, and all the way into the future. Okay. Um, if you want to find out what day of the week that day was, you just type in the date. And it'll come up and tell you, okay, this was a you know a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Tuesday, whatever day, whatever date that was. So it's like that. That could tell us, you know, because we know from the Gospels that Jesus was, you know, crucified on a Friday. Um, John kind of leads us to believe that it was a that that was Passover. Uh, the Passover was the next day. Uh, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of lead us to believe that. It, that Passover happened the night before the Last Supper was a Passover, so there's kind of kind of a little bit of difference between the two. Okay, but it's not going to make a lot of a difference there on, on, on that. So anyway, so so anyways, you got you know you you got the days of the week and you got the moon phases, so we can kind of figure out about you know 
about what year Jesus was crucified in. Uh, and the two best choices for that are 30 and 33 A.D. And most historians kind of agree on that. Uh, it seems like historians like 30 better, and kind of theologians like 33 a little bit better. Okay. Uh, I tend to like 30 better. Um, I don't want to get into that right now, but uh, um, but I like 30. So anyways, and these two, you know, these two Passovers were about the same, about at the same time. Uh, I think the one in 30 was uh, April 6th, and the one in 33 was April 3rd. So, okay. so you know, that, so we kind of, kind of know, you know, going by those two dates, kind of know when Jesus was crucified. Okay. And it's like, okay, well, this is, this will be real easy. <laughs> I just got to find something, you know, some some sort of uh, evidence that Jesus was born, you know, on April 6th or April 3rd, sometime around there. And I thought, well, that shouldn't be too hard. So I started looking at some of these uh, theories, and the Star of Bethlehem seems like, you know, that's really, really the best place to start. Right. To find, if you're going to find out when Jesus was born. And it was a complete... A complete disaster. <laughs> it really was. It was. It was. It was very frustrating, and I was looking at a lot of different theories and a lot of different Star of Bethlehem possibilities. And, and of course, uh, Molnar's theory, the one that got me started in the first place, that I really liked. Right. You know, that was like about a week. That was like about a week too late. Um, and, and that's kind of where I just kind of. That was kind of one of the the, the lulls in it, where it's just kind of like uh, just kind of like doing other things. And it's like, okay, I let this sit. Sit for about six months and then go back, you know, and just kind of, you know, I might give it up. But I don't know, but uh, so so I went back eventually, and I, I never could really find anything that was going uh, going in that April, you know, that April time frame. And and I just, you know, one one day I'm just like kind of sitting around googling stuff, and I'm I'm googling what what they call the interior existence. That's where Jesus was born and died on the same, you know, same day. That's what right. they call that. Uh, so I was good on that, and, and I came up with this verse from, from the Talmud. Now, this is kind of another thing I didn't really know a whole lot about. I didn't know what the Talmud was, actually. Uh, and I think it kind of confuses Christians. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of Christians who who, who kind of stay away from it uh, for different reasons. Uh, but there's a verse in the Talmud that says... Um, it actually says, and if it's, uh, if you got the book there handy, it's uh, on page 14, but it says, uh, in the sign, the world was created, and in the same month, the patriarchs were born, and the sign, they also died. Okay. All right. So the sign, the sign is the month of Passover. And that kind of, uh, it, it kind of hit me over the head. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm using this, I'm using a Gregorian calendar, I'm using our calendar. And this verse is saying in the sign, which is part of the Jewish, you know, in the sign is a Jewish month. It's a Jewish calendar, and it's like that just kind of changed the whole perspective. It's like, okay, now we're now we're dealing with we're just Passovers, and we are dealing with a Gregorian, you know, Julian dates. So that made a lot of difference, mm-hmm. and it kind of it, it kind of really opened things up. Um, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, and our calendar obviously is a solar calendar. So if you go by the lunar calendar, things things really start to change. Okay, um, and that that's how we get the that, that's how we get the differences in in the Easter dates. You know, sometimes Easter is in, in March, sometimes it's in April. Um, this this Easter was a real interesting one. Uh, usually, Passover is the first full moon after the spring equinox. That's how we can kind of tell when it is. Okay. But it's a little bit like a it's a little bit like a leap year. Sometimes they have to move it back to the second uh, full moon, which is what happened this year. If you remember, this year we had the uh, what they called the uh, uh, what they call it the, the super worm <laughs> full moon, you know, the, the blood super, moon or whatever that was. worm moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, so and that yeah, so that that happened right at the spring equinox. It was like we had you know March twentieth, and then we had that super worm moon going on at the same time. Uh, in some years. You know that that would have been Passover, but okay. this year was just one of those years where they moved it back because they want to keep the, you know, they want to keep the Jewish the Jewish months. They wanted to keep them, you know, going on in the same time of year. They didn't want to be planting. You know, the sun is supposed to be the month you plant, and they didn't really want that happening. You know, they kind of left it left it go, and it, it would eventually get to the point where you're 
you know, you're planning uh, earlier and earlier every year. So right. we wanted to keep that the same. So my question for uh, you is, who are they that they don't want this to happen? <laughs> uh, the Jewish people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the Jewish people. The Jewish, you know, they're, they're, their calendar is lunar, and it's, okay. it's, just, it's just always been that way. And they've always, you know, they, they have to keep it on us. You know, they want, they want to keep it the months going on at the same time, you know, same time of the year. Okay. Um, does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's like you're looking at two different clocks, and one clock is moving faster than another one, and you're right. trying to <laughs> trying to sync them up eventually. So, so every once in a while, they have to throw in an extra month okay. um, to keep it going. Because I... twelve. Because I think a lot of people are confused why <laughs> Easter doesn't fall on the same day every year. Why we're able to that's have that's it in March, why we're able to have it in April. And again, with your book, even just that small portion of it, it clarifies, clarifies it just a little bit more. Yeah, and it took me, I mean, that's, that's why it took me so long to write this book, because I had to figure this stuff out. <laughs> uh, I, I think the book is, you know, the book is pretty condensed, and, it, you know, you can kind of read the book, and it kind of, you know, you can kind of, you can make some sense out of it, but it took me a long time to kind of get this stuff down. It was like, wait a minute, here, we're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with, uh, you know, the Jewish calendar is totally different than, than our, you know, than our calendar. It's not the same. We're, we're solar, and they're, they're a lunar. Uh but but it does work, you know. It does work. Uh, the other thing too is you get into uh, Christians uh, in the second or third century. They they really wanted to get away from Jewish religion as much as possible. Okay. They want to have a separate religion. So so they they really just wanted to to you know keep keep it on the the Friday you know celebrating Easter on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Uh, some you know some days Passover. You know, I think this year is a pretty unique year. It's actually Passover is falling on a on a Friday, so it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of fitting together to so where Christians and Jews are celebrating uh, at the same time. But most of the time, it doesn't. Right. Uh, sometimes Passover starts on a Monday. Sometimes it starts on a Wednesday. It just depends on the year uh, right. when the full moon is. Uh, the one thing about Passover is it they, they keep it on the full moon. Okay. Uh, that goes back to that goes back to. Uh, uh, goes back to the first Passover. Now, how so, much? So that. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. No, no I, I lost my. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, okay. go. So, how much? Of uh, uh, how much was the political landscape at the time? How much did that affect when certain dates were actually being predicted, or when they were saying this is when things were happening? Were there there are certain religious leaders or politicians at the time saying no, this is when it's going to happen, or are they trying to force uh, their own will, or how did that work? For Passover, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, they uh, the seven day week is uh, probably the oldest continuous religious, you know, one of the oldest continuous religious ceremonies. That, you know, it's never changed, as far as I know. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that I had to research in the book. You know, it's like when I'm when I'm looking at these these weeks and like trying to figure out when, you know, you know, when is, is there a Passover when Jesus would have been crucified on a Friday and rose on a on, on the third day, which would have been a Sunday? I had to go back and look and see, you know, what days these full moons were falling on, and and I, I so I was looking at, at events in history and, and kind of looking at you know where, where someone wrote about something and, and kind of said that you know this date was a Sunday. Uh, we celebrated Mass on this date and it was a Sunday. And I got it all the way back to like I think the the oldest one I got was like three seventy, so that's that's going back pretty far. And as far as I can tell, that that's never changed. And, and I kind of think that it was it was you know intact at least through the time of Jesus. And I can't really see why anybody would have changed that seven week date. Okay, you know, it's, just, it's always been continuous. So that's that's pretty consistent. Uh, and you know, like like I said earlier, the Passover is always on the full moon. Sometimes it's the first full. Most of the time, it's the first full moon after the spring equinox. Well, that's always the same. And you know, if somebody was changing those things, it, it would have been difficult for me to do this research. I don't think he could have done it. Okay. But you know, that's you know, you start changing that stuff, and you're you're going against uh, you know, you're going against uh, the Bible and everything. Right. Uh, the other thing about Passover is Passover is is Traditionally, the first Passover was was supposed to start exactly with the spring equinox. Now we know that doesn't happen very often, right? Uh, but sometimes, sometimes it does. Um, the year that I 
think that Jesus was born in, uh, the Passover was like uh, like real close to the spring equinox, like it was only like a day off. Um, so it's really close to the first one. So that's really, I mean, so that's that's how I got interested in trying okay. to find it. And, and once once I realized that I could do that and, and I could find a date, you know, a date for the crucifixion, uh, I started looking at, you know, Star Bethlehem candidates. And the, the first ones that I was really looking at, I was looking at conjunctions a lot and oscillations. Those are kind of when, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too technical here because this is radio. <laughs> you don't want, to, don't want to frighten your uh, your listeners <laughs> off, but uh, it's uh, it, it's basically when things line up. So the conjunction is like when two planets line up, and a lot of times these Star of Bethlehem theories, uh, they kind of have something to do with, uh, you know, two, two things lining up in, in uh, the constellation of Virgo okay. or something like that. Um, so that's really what I, I, I really started looking at those hard, and and I started to get concerned over over constellations and oscillations. Oscillation is when something passes in front of the moon, and I really wasn't liking those uh, because there really wasn't a. I really wanted to have a, a Bible verse that kind of gave us gave a date on something, okay. and that's kind of like like why I like that verse from the Talmud so much because it's basically saying that uh, Jewish patriarchs were born and died in uh, Nisan, the month of Nisan. And, you know, that would, I, I would, it makes sense to me that that would mean Jesus, too. We know he died in Nisan. We know that part to be true. Uh, so it kind of made sense that uh, he'd be born in that month, too. So I really like that verse. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, I don't think you can really interpret it a different way. And that was what uh, I was going to and I was going to ask you that because I did, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe reading that there was a belief that Jesus was born during Passover. And being yeah, born during Passover and also died during Passover, then that's why the two dates would be somewhat close to each other. Yeah, and that's where we get the, we call that the integral, you know, the integral existence. It's, it's a mathematical term, and it's like, you know, kind of perfection. Um, and it just kind of made sense to me that, you know, if he's, if, if Jesus was the Christ, you know, it, it you know, why would God not, <laughs> you know, I, I think kind of, I think kind of differently sometimes, I mean, maybe I have too much time on my hands, okay. to think about things, but that just kind of made sense to me, it's like, okay, God, God created Jesus, why would he just, you know, why would Jesus just be born on any random day, so that right. kind of made sense to me, so I wanted a real verse on it, and that one kind of made sense, the thing with the configurations and the oscillation theories, is a lot of time they, they pull something out of uh, Isaiah or Revelation. Okay. Um, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Revelation happened after <laughs> after Jesus was born, and yet some of them still use Revelation. as. And, and I mean, anybody that can interpret Revelation, I, I just say good luck with that, because I, I don't even try that. It's like, I, you know, how, how can you pull anything out of that? Okay. Out, of, out of that. So a lot of times they use verses that are really that it can really be interpreted different ways. I didn't like that on some of these theories. Um, Molnar did that. Uh, there's another guy that has a real popular theory called Rick Larson. He had a video that came out about 10 years ago, and it's really popular, and uh, he kind of does the same thing with this. So, so they're using verses that really are kind of cryptic. And the other thing that I didn't like about them is being a real, you know, being a historian, there really is no primary sources on these. Uh, I, I love primary sources. Right? I'm, I'm a historian. I got to. You know, I want to see the ancient people talking about this, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be the Jews. It doesn't right. have to be. You know, I just want to see somebody talking about it. And there are no primary sources on this. And if if there are, you know, someone needs to get, to get a hold of me and let me know so I can, you know, make a note of it. Uh, so I really can't find any primary sources on, on these theories. And in the astrology that they use in these in these theories, are, it, it's not what the Magi would have practiced. Um, the Magi used different things that we will never. I mean, when the Magi did a horoscope, it wasn't for you know. I can't find any horoscopes for people that weren't born yet. They were always done for you know kings or important people that were you know that were being about to be born. It wasn't like for someone unknown. Okay. Uh, if I could just find if I could find some horoscopes, you know, and you know it's. it's a lot of these horoscopes are, are written on clay, and, and they're still, you know, they're still laying around in the desert. And 
And so we, we can find them. And I, and I never, I haven't found one yet that I haven't seen an example of one that says, you know, that anything like what these series are claiming to be. Okay. So, so that got me concerned on that. And that was probably another, you know, another period where I got frustrated and kind of let things sit down, you know, sit for a little bit. Uh, and then I came back and I started looking at uh, this comet that I talk about in the book, which I believe was the Star of Bethlehem. Um, that's the Chinese comet of, of March 5 BC. Uh, and there's several reasons why I really like this. this and, and I'm not the one who discovered this. I, it wasn't like I just, you know, I went over to China and kind of was digging through records. You know, <laughs> no, a lot of the stuff has been done before me. Right. And and this was really popular in the, in the late 70s. There was some, some scholars that wrote papers on it, and it, you know, I talked to people and, and kind of asked them, you know, what do you think the Star of Bethlehem was? And some of them say a comet based on that. Uh, so, it, so it was popular a few years ago, and then some of these other theories, I think, kind of came along and got a little bit more, you know, there was newer in, in you know, they were kind of, these were just old, Gallery papers and, and these new new theories were, were done in like videos okay. and these people kind of <laughs> kind of gravitated to it and liked the you know like the music and the graphics and everything. So, right. So so really this 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 comet was popular at one time. Um, so I'm kind of bringing it back is what I'm doing here. Uh, so why I liked this comet was the Chinese were the one who spotted it. So so we know that the Chinese had no reason to make this up. Uh, you can't really, you can't really trust uh, the Romans or you know the Roman Christians later, um, because they, you know, they altered, they they, they did it. They altered uh, some some writings a little bit to kind of fit into their doctrine. Right. Right. Uh, the Chinese had no reason to do that. You know, they pretty much said, you know, in in March of five BC, we saw there this. was a broom yeah. comet. We saw it. They wrote it down, and that's that's really that's what it. they said about it. They called it a broom comet. Okay. Um, so that's. That's what we know that the Chinese spot is. So I have a primary source there. Well, the other interesting thing about that is it's in March of 5 BC, which is really, you know, that's really fitting in with that verse because Passover right. in March 5 BC was March 23rd. And that's the time that the Chinese said that the comet was in the sky. Okay. And that, so, and that, and that so makes that, sense. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed you there. I know that makes sense. That really does because that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and it's like it's like it's like really, man. That's 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 kind of interesting. You got the Chinese who who, who aren't going to lie about this. They saw it. The Babylonians would have seen it. If the Chinese right. saw it, the Babylonians would have seen it. Uh, I don't know about the Jews. I know the Jews really weren't astronomers or okay. astrologers either. One, they, they they kept track of the moon, and that was about it. Okay. Um, and really, when you go back to even like like before Jesus, you know, eventually they got to the point where they figured out when the moon phases were, and they wrote them down, and they had, you know, they kind of knew when Passover was going to be before it happened. But they used to just, you know, the shepherds used to just come and say, you know, it's a new moon. Uh, the 15th of the month is going to be in 15 days. Right. And then that's, so that's kind of how they went on Passover uh, originally. But, you know, eventually they started to get, they wanted to get things written down so they could, you know, when the Jews started to get spread around, they wanted everyone celebrating Passover on the same day. The ones in Israel, the ones in Babylonian, are you know all over the place. Uh, so eventually, they got they got their they got that together. But but you know, so so I don't know. You know, the Jews probably didn't care too much about the comet. Maybe they did. Uh, if, I guess it just depends on on how how you know. We don't know what the comet looked like. Um, I'm assuming that the comet was was somehow pointing towards Israel. If, if the Magi saw it, uh, I think the Magi were probably from Parthia, which is which was Persia at that time. They were okay. the rulers of Persia, and that's tradition. Um, one of the church fathers actually talked about that uh, the, the, in the second century. Um, Julius Africanus he talked about it. The, the Magi coming from Persia. So I think they kind of came. I think they had to come from from Persia. And they were Parthians. Parthians were the ones who were the ruling family at that time. Okay. Uh, so so, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated. But the Magi were originally from Babylonian, and when the rulers of Parthia came along, the Magi were probably you know instructing them and, and kind of advising them on things. Uh, I tend to think the Magi might have been a little bit overrated. Uh, I, I was going to ask you that 
because <laughs> I've, I've heard different stories about that, too. And by the way, everyone, you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV. Right now we're talking with Robert William Weber, and his book is The Essence of Perfection. Now, the Magi, as you said, overrated because, again, making that trip, or was it just coincidental they saw it and said, hey, we're going? Because they wanted to know what was at the end of the light. Uh, I think, you know, in the in the book, I've kind of come up with some some interesting theories on that. Um, this this comet that the Chinese spotted, they say that, that the comet was seen in the constellation of Aquila, which is in the zodiac of Capricorn. Okay. All right. So your listeners are probably saying, "Okay, what does that mean?" <laughs> All right, uh, uh, the is, is the eagle. That's that's Latin for eagle. So it's a constellation that looks like an eagle, and it's, it's in the zodiac of Capricorn. There's twelve zodiacs, and it's it's a constellation. So there's more constellations than there are zodiacs. Uh, one thing that kind of told me that the Magi might have been interested in this comet for you know they had to have a reason to follow it. You know, you don't just take off like you said. They don't just you know don't take off and follow a comet. So I guess go fight. You know, let's go chase that thing down. Um, there had to be something that kind of told them this might be important. This right. might be be an important sign. Well, the emperor at the time that was Augustus, and Augustus loved comets. <laughs> uh, that was his that was his thing. He put comets on the back of his coins. Um, he was a Capricorn. He put Capricorn on the back of his coins. This was like his. This would be his Facebook of the day. Okay. You know, your your coins were your coins were were you. I mean, you had your your picture on the front. <laughs> And he had something important on the back. Uh, the Magi probably would have known this if they knew anything about Augustus, and they were, you know, if they were were any type of scholarly ambassadors, which I think they were kind of more ambassadors than they were astrologers. But they would have known that Augustus was uh, fond of comets, and they would have known that he was a Capricorn because he liked to advertise that a lot. Right. Uh, and it just so happens that this comet was <laughs> seen seen in the zodiac of Capricorn, and it just so happens that the, the eagle was, a, was a, a sign of the Roman Empire. Uh, when the Roman armies went into battle, they always had their banner, they always had eagles on their banner, and if the eagles got captured, that was a, you know, it was like a flag being lost. It was a great dishonor. So I, I think that might have told the, the Magi, hey, something's going on here. Uh, this comet is, is meaning something. Augustus actually justified his reign off of a comet. Uh, when his uncle Julius Caesar was assassinated, uh, if you if you remember the to- you know the whole thing with Shakespeare and the toga and the blood and right. all that, um, he was he was the, one of the heirs along with Mark Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he needed something to justify him living up to his uncle. You know, his uncle's Julius Caesar, and it's like it's it's hard to live up to Julius Caesar, right. uh, the, the guy who conquered Gaul. You know, it's kind of hard to do that. So he needed something to really justify him. So a lot of times what they did was they had Olympic Games, and he had these Olympic Games that he still happened to honor to Venus. During the Olympic Games, a comet showed up, and this was like uh, like 44, you know, sometime shortly after Caesar's, uh, I can't remember the exact date, but it's shortly after Caesar was assassinated, so it was long before Jesus was born. Okay. So anyways, Augustus, Augustus justified his reign. Uh, he said, you know, Venus sent this comet, uh, that's, that's justifying my reign. And that proves that I deserve to be, you know, emperor. Well, if the Magi knew anything about Julius, knew anything about Augustus Caesar, they probably knew that this comet may have been something important, and it might have been for an important person. Okay. And if it was pointing towards, if it was pointing towards Israel, it might have meant that something was going on in in Israel at the time, Judea at the time. So I think that kind of got them going and kind of interested. It's like, hey. If someone, if a new king is being born, we need to go worship him. Right. The other thing about Parthia was that they were deadly rivals with the Romans. Um, I always kind of grew up thinking that the, you know the Romans were the Romans; they they ruled everything. Right. Well, they they didn't really. <laughs> they they were they would have loved to take over Persia. Uh, they would have loved to recreate Alexander the Great's empire. Uh, so they were rivals with the Parthians, and the Parthians would have loved to have taken over Israel, and they did at one time. Uh, Herod actually owed his rule to the Romans. That's how the Romans got involved in, in Judea. Um, so both were fighting over Judea, Parthia and Rome. Both of those empires wanted that to be kind of like a buffer zone. So in a lot uh, of ways, the other one. 
the Magi were going into hostile territory, so there must have been a reason for them to go if they wanted to risk everything. And 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 you know what, Bill? You know what? <laughs> uh, it actually says in Matthew too that when the Magi showed up, Herod was was upset, and all of Jerusalem was upset. Mm-hmm. So there had to be some things there that was upsetting the people. They were they were they were worried when the Magi showed up uh, at first, and. You know, obviously, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, it'd be like Russian ambassadors coming during the height of the Cold War, something like right, that. Right, yeah. So, so people were really on edge there when they showed up. And it just so happened, you know, we're talking about this, this comet. <laughs> you know, it, there's more that was happening in the sky when this comet showed up. Um, you had the Passover full moon, and you also had a total a total eclipse. This was March 23rd, um, start of Passover was a total eclipse. And that's the one thing that would that that's the one thing that scared everyone was a lunar eclipse. Um, the Talmud said, you know, another thing from the Talmud says that, you know, a, a lunar eclipse is bad for Israel, a solar eclipse is bad for the world. Okay. So that might have you know, that was probably upsetting some people too. You had a, a and this is, you know, this you can't make this up because it's it's NASA. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is NASA moon phase. If you look it up and it says there was a there was a total eclipse uh on on the full moon. and it there's more to it than that. <laughs> the year before that, the Passover full moon was a partial lunar eclipse. Okay. And and then the year before that the the Passover moon was a Prenumbral eclipse, which is kind of like a shadow. It's almost like an eclipse, but it's not quite getting there, and you might see kind of like a little corner of it getting okay. eclipsed of the okay. moon. But the moon gets kind of dark. But that that happened, that would have been visible more kind of towards India, kind of maybe away from Jerusalem. The Magi might have seen it or might have been aware of it. I don't think the Jews were aware of it. So, so really you have three Passover moons that are kind of increasing you know, you're going from from the shadow, light shadow, to a, a partial eclipse, to a total eclipse in five BC. The same thing, the same time the comet is in the air. So, Mike, so, so Mike, I think all these events. So I think all these events kind of kind of tied avoid people. <laughs> so my question is, and and not that I've thought of this before, but the Magi, how far did they travel to get there uh, for that for for yeah. the for the birth or just after the birth? Because it wouldn't have just happened like hop in a hop in a car and drive two hundred miles down the road. They were traveling for a long period of time. Uh, if, if they if they left right away, um, if they were coming from Persia, it, it would have been about three months. If they okay. would have left and, and, and really really were making good time, uh, they might have been traveling. You know, you you always see the, the nativity scene there on camels. They might have been on horses. We don't really right know. exactly. Uh, so, so they might have been traveling a little bit faster than than on camel, but you know, if they were coming from Babylonia, it would have been maybe a month and a half. If they were coming from Persia, maybe double that distance. Okay, which would be kind of it would kind of fit with the Chinese. The Chinese said the comet was in the sky for for seven days. Okay, well that would uh, make the sense about the, then. Okay, yeah, and well, the thing about the Chinese too is. Uh, you know, when you get into June, you're getting into monsoon weather in yes. China. So it, it might have been in the sky longer than, you know, they just said 70 days. So it might have been longer. Okay. Uh, it just, maybe they didn't see it very well after, you know, after the rain started. Uh, maybe, the you know, the Magi are kind of more in, in a, you know, a desert area. So they, it was a clear, probably a, a little bit clearer. Okay. Yeah. It might have been a little bit clearer for them. Um, because again, that, so that, that that makes a lot of sense. Because I don't think, unless you're reading about it or talking about it, you don't think about these things. Because we have been told the stories and we've seen the, the nativities and everything else, and a lot of people, I think, just assume that happened immediately after the uh, after the birth. But if you look at it and look at the reality of things, it would have had to take longer than what it what we assume that it took to get from point A to point B because the mode of transportation was not the same as we're dealing with today. Well, too, I think, I think Matthew tells us that, you know, they saw the star and that was kind of the signal of his birth. So that's what they, they thought mm-hmm. he was, you know, they thought that he was 
born when the when the star showed up. Okay. So, so that would have you know, and of course when they when they got to Herod, Herod was totally you know he didn't know anything about Jesus being born, and, and he he got all of his all of his uh, scholars together, and, and that's another interesting thing. His, his scholars were teachers of the law, which they would have known about the Talmud. The Talmud wasn't written at that time. The Talmud was was oral. It was an oral law. Um, so it wasn't written, but they would have known about it, um, and they would have known about that tradition of the prophets being born and uh, the patriarchs being born and, and the son and dying in the son. So that might have that that I think that too might have told them that something was going on at that time. They would have known that. Okay. Um, so so that's when they told the Magi, you know, to go to Bethlehem because that's where tradition was that Jesus was being born. Okay. And. and of course, we know too that the Magi. That's why I said that I think the Magi were a little bit overrated because they, we know they lost track of the star for a while, and then they they showed they went to Bethlehem, and then, then the star showed up again, and and they were you know of course they were overwhelmed with that you know very joyful that they saw the star. Uh, it also kind of tells me that it probably wasn't a conjunction or an oscillation because I don't know how you lose track of something that. Is mechanical like that? It's, right. It's, you know, if you know anything about about conjunctions, is it's it's two objects coming together, and if you know what the objects are, and you know they're coming together, I don't know how you lose track of it. Uh, that, that's just another thing that bothered me about conjunctions. Um, the comet just just really made sense, and two, it's it's like I said before, it's the only primary source. I don't know how you can argue with that. Um, so, so I really think that. You know, when you get down to it, I really think that, that Jesus was born sometime in that month of Nisan, just like the Talmud said. Okay. So, with, with and, and I, I know we're focusing on the Magi a lot here, but the story mm-hmm. I've heard a story that there was actually a fourth one that got lost on the way and actually arrived the day of the crucifixion, which, um, again, would be interesting because he'd been traveling in the desert for 30-some years <laughs> to get to that point. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could talk about um, between that, about the original three, and then this fourth one. Was the fourth one actually even a Magi or just claimed that he was? And and, and the whole thing. So there's a lot going on with that, too. The other thing is that uh, um, uh, after re- reading the book and looking at, at what I've read so far, church fathers, when they were looking at this, did they worry about dates or were they just trying to use the dates to fit their theology that they were preaching? That, that's kind of an interesting question. <laughs> it depended a lot on the church father. Uh, the one that I the one that I like a lot is Saint August. Is Saint um, he used to be Saint Saint Clement of Alexandria. He he's really the first one that 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 we know of um, that that wrote stuff down kind of in order like that. And, and he was really into Greek philosophy, and I think he struggled with that a lot. Being a Christian, um, he had to prove that that you know Jewish philosophy was older than Greek philosophy. So that's really where he did the dating, and he he went all the way back to Adam, and he came up with a lot of uh, you know he dated a lot of different events all the way up to Jesus. And one of the things that he told in his writings was that the Gnostics, which were kind of like a, they're, they're a little bit of a Christian sect, um, and that's maybe where that fourth Magi came from. You know, that might have been a Gnostic teaching. Okay. Um, so they might have, you know, so they were worshiping, you know, Clement tells us all the dates that they were worshiping for the Nativity and all the, you know, the dates that they were worshiping for the Passion. And it just so happens the two of them matched up, and that's where we get the, he, that's really the first, the first Christian signs of, of an interior existence. Um, of course, we we've got the Talmud that, that kind of suggests it, but this is the really first Christian, you know, Christian scripture or Christian writing that suggests that Jesus was born and died on the same day, um, which would have been Passover. Uh, they, March twenty fifth comes up a lot because that's the the spring equinox. Okay, and I know some of your some of your viewers are probably saying, well, that's not the equinox. The equinox is the 20th. <laughs> right. It's the 20th. Well, it's back, you know, that, that's the Jewish equinox. And okay. once again, that's just like, that's that's just like, you know, it's it's like their, their calendar. It had to be, it was off a little, you know, it was a little bit different. Uh, 20, the 25th of 
the month was the was their equinox. So so really what the tradition is was that Jesus was born in Passover on on this equinox day, which gets kind of scary because you look at the Passover of five BC and the twenty third was the full moon, that would have been the start of Passover. Twenty mm-hmm. fifth would have been the Jewish equinox and that was the third day of Passover. Right. So, so you see it, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I'm not like I said, I'm not making this stuff up. It's just, it's just all, you know, it's all verified by the U.S. Navy and NASA. So it's, it's, it's there, and it's, it's really interesting. But you know, I guess it's still a matter of faith whether or not you believe that or not. But you know, it, it just kind of the more I do this, it's just kind of stuff just kind of comes together like that. It's really kind of. Uh, Scary at times. I don't know. Um, fulfilling at times. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain. What I what I want to ask you is because of the technolo- technological age we're living in right now, and you've been writing this, wrote this book for fourteen years. Do you think if you would have tried writing this book twenty twenty five years ago, you would have had the same success that you did researching it now? Uh, I don't. Okay. Because a lot of what I did was a lot of what I did was uh, it started out by internet searches. Uh, there's, there's so many, so many people that that, that came before me that I have okay. to thank for this. Uh, it just you know, a lot of a lot of my ideals came from the internet. Uh, some of it came from uh, uh, from some of the books that I read. Uh, I had the fortune of you know I, I was writing this book when I was getting my teaching degree, so I was doing my undergraduate work. Um, at Illinois State University, okay. Illinois State University has has a, an awesome library. <laughs> okay. They have five floors of books, and they cover you know. So so they they were really good. If I needed a, a book about anything, they had it there. Um, and also, I was you know I was able to pull some stuff off, some articles off, of, of, you know, through online websites because I had you know because I was going to school and I had that kind of. Uh, uh, that was part of the, you know, paying for it. So, so that really helped a lot too. I don't think I could, you know, no, I don't. Just couldn't have written it twenty five years ago. If if I did it, it would have taken twice as long. I'd okay. still be writing the book. <laughs> so, so hopefully that answers your question. There. Well, it, it does because a lot of the stuff, like you said, you you took other people's work and you built from it. So. Again, you collaborated with a lot of people, even though they don't realize that you collaborated with them because you took their idea and then found a, a way to tie it to somebody else's because they didn't have the technology to be able to do that. And I think that's kind of amazing that you actually stuck with it for as long as you did, because like you said, there were periods of time where you just shelved it, got frustrated with it. And then all of a sudden you came back and going, OK, maybe let's look at it this way. Maybe I can get a, de- a better uh, a better insight of what's happening here. Uh, that's well. Thanks for the compliment. That's uh, that's a, that's a great compliment. Uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it was. I mean, I, I really needed. I, I think too, just kind of letting it sit, and then coming back and kind of taking a fresh approach. I think that helped too at times because you know, in, in the writing of this, I, I also saw how you know some of the mistakes that the church, you know, that right. the, the people in the second century. I saw you know, I, I, I could look at what they did. And I could see where they went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were looking at uh, they, were, they were looking at their calendar, the Gregorian calendar. They weren't looking at uh, the Jewish calendar. I could see where where things got off and and went wrong. Um, and I, the only reason why I could do that was because I I struggled to that way, and I made the same mistake. <laughs> in the beginning. I mean, the first uh, if if I would have if if I would have. Uh, finish this book after the first five years, it would have been a train wreck. Okay. Um, but but the historian in me, you know, I was trained as a historian, and I was told, you you don't do that. You get your facts, you find primary sources, you have to be real careful, because you're going to get, you know, right. if, if you do something wrong, you're going to get called out on it eventually. So so really, it, it, took, it took a little bit of courage to actually publish this book because you know now it's out there and, and people can can start looking at what i've written and you know, maybe they'll find errors maybe they'll they'll, they'll build on what I, I not i mean i don't know what's going to happen in the future with this right uh, but that's kind of what i wanted i wanted something for people to to i wanted something for people to have who are interested in this and 
they didn't have to go through the same struggles that I went through. Right, <laughs> it was very it. frustrating at that. Extremely frustrating at that. And, well, and I think you know, I'm just getting to the point. You know, there's, there still might be a few few things that I would like to polish up on it, but okay. I, th- I think it's almost to the point where where I like it and you kind of kind of live with it. Well, it's hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour now. <laughs> uh, it, it's been a pleasure. I mean, yeah, this 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 has been fun for me too. Uh, the book, I just kind of want people to know about the book a little bit, where they can get it. Please do. Uh, it's available. On, it's available on Amazon, and it lists for. I think it lists for on Amazon for fifteen ninety nine. But right now, Amazon has it on sale. And the last time I checked, it was like nine it was down to nine bucks. Maybe oh, okay. they're having an Easter. Maybe they're having an Easter sale or something, and I don't know how long that'll last. Uh, yeah, like I'm looking at it right now, it's, it's nine nineteen on Amazon, so it's 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 a good price right now. And I'll put um, a link to it on my uh, on my website so people can find it easy. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not that hard to find. Um, I, I have a blog, and sometimes I blog about some of the stuff. Okay. It's, uh, it's at Saint Jean Press. Uh, that's S T. Gene, uh, G-E-N-E, press, P-R-E-S-S, and sometimes I've walked about it, and I have all the links to, to where they can get it. I think they can get it through Barnes & Noble, too. Okay. Um, those are two, you know, those are probably the best right. ways to get it. Uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that if they have a particular bookseller that they like, they could, you know, get it through there. Um, might be a little bit, cost a little bit more, but, uh. You know, you got. I, th- I think too. You need to support your local bookstore sometimes. Oh, and I, I agree with that too. Um, before <laughs> before I let you go, are you planning on writing anything else? Uh, right. It's it's interesting. I, I don't really consider myself a, a Bible historian. Or okay. A, or a uh, it, or a, you know, I'm more of an American history uh, expert, I guess. So, and I, I taught on the. Navajo Reservation for seven years, and, and I'm really into to kind of Native American uh, culture, and 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 so if I if my next book will probably be some sort of Native American thing, just because I think I need a break from. from oh, okay. This. <laughs> so so it'll probably be some, something along those lines, some kind of Native American thing. Probably in the future, you know, probably in the future, I might, you know, if I get the time, I might do another book that kind of deals with. Is on a topic like this, uh, maybe there might be something else. But uh, the next book will probably be Native American. Well, some some sort of Native American. Whenever you write it, please let us know, and I'll have you back on the program. <laughs> we'll talk about it. And don't be surprised if I call you around Christmas this year and have you come back and talk about this one, because there's a lot more we could go into that we didn't have time to discuss tonight. Uh, that that is true. Uh, the book uh, for your for your viewers, the book is very condensed, and it's three hundred and twenty six pages, and it's it's really convinced uh, you're going to be, if you, if you read it, you're going to hit over the head pretty hard <laughs> if you read it like in a weekend. <laughs> right. So it'll make you think. And, and you'll never, uh, I, I, ne- I don't look at a, a full moon. The same thing. way again. I mean, <laughs> you know, especially when it's a, when it's like a super, like a super moon, like we right. had just last time around. Yeah. So, Robert, I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Again, it's uh, a very interesting book, and if for anybody that wants to uh, to uh, purchase it, again available on Amazon, and it is the Essence of Perfection, again by Robert William Weber. Robert, thank you very much, and you have a great night. Uh, thanks, Bill, and uh, I'll look forward to being uh, on your show again. Sounds, if it happens. Sounds great. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. You bet. Okay. Bye bye. Robert William Weber, The Essence of Perfection, The Historical Quest to Find Genuine Dates of Christmas and the Resurrection. Again, very interesting read. Now, I didn't make it all the way through yet. I got through most of it. But again, very interesting. And it makes you think, especially around Easter time. So it might be something to get real quick through Amazon because you have Amazon Prime and you can get it for their Easter basket, right? Anyway, that's going to wrap up another show tonight. We'll be back in next week sometime. We'll let you know when online. All you have to do is go to the website online with BillAlexander.com. And don't forget to listen to me on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. Well, it's time to wrap up another show here live Recorded live in the Phil Gianetti Motors studios here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Guys, you have a great time, great night, great day. We'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.